Hi guys, welcome back to the Strong with Julie podcast. I'm super excited to have your ears tune in to this week's episode. Today I am talking with Nicole Hip. She is actually one of my former clients and she really walks us through her 10-year battle with an eating disorder and this story is incredible and she really helps us digest what it looked like going through treatment and after treatment and kind of just re- gaining her trust in herself and getting control back on her life. It was a beautiful story, definitely one that I just did not know how much she went through, and I think that you guys are really going to value hearing her story. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, but I did want to give like a quick disclaimer slash trigger warning. If you are someone that is struggling with an eating disorder or are triggered by that Um, sort of talk, then maybe just skip this episode for now. And if you are struggling, please, 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 please reach out for help. There are so many resources out there, guys. DM me. I can help connect you with people. I promise I got your back. You are not in this alone. Okay. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And yeah. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the Strong with Julie podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Just got out of class. Nice little Thursday night chit chat with us. Um, it's a date sesh, you know? Yeah, we're having a date. <laughs> Can you tell the audience how we know each other? So we know each other because we worked, not worked, but I was one of your clients from a previous coaching company, I would say. Um both not with them anymore but now we're both kind of separate and like friends outside of that yeah nicole is one of my first clients guys i absolutely <laughs> loved her i love their little chit chats every week and i'm really excited for you guys to hear her story so i wanted to start with baby nicole like how you were brought up and then we can get into you know teenage years struggles things like that but let's start from the beginning and really dive deep on that because I think when talking about people that have had disordered eating it's kind of interesting to start from the way they were brought up like the way their relationship with food formed like with their parents and stuff like that so can you bring us back in time so I grew up I don't want to say in a disadvantaged household because I was really fortunate for what I had. I always had a roof over my head, always had food on my plate, ha- went to a pretty good schools like when I was growing up. But both my parents were alcoholics um, growing up. So I have a younger sister. She's seven years and seven days younger than me. So I was alone for a long time. And my parents were never really around I kind of was involved in every single sport, every single club. I'd come home like eight o'clock at night, like even when I was seven or eight. Um, I've moved 21 times. So I've been all over. I've lived in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Ohio and like all throughout that. And I wouldn't say that my relationship with food was really bad when I was little, but because I lived in such turmoil for so long, I struggled with control and struggled with that type of thing. And Mm -hmm. I never got any validation from my parents because I was a pretty good kid. Like I got really good grades. I got, I was involved in a lot. I swam and was super competitive with that. So I was always doing really well in that aspect. That's my young childhood. And then my 
teenage years, it started to get a little worse. I started to get really good at swimming um, between like 11 and 16, I would say. But like swimmers, like you were a cheerleader. So like you, you understand like the body aspect of it. Yeah. So swimmers, it's almost like gymnastics where you're in a leotard or yeah. a bathing suit. Everything's showing. Exactly. Everything. So I was more of a mid-distance swimmer. So I had like a pretty, not big build, but I was super strong even at that young age. And then I started CrossFit when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So I got pretty big from that too. Muscles. In like a muscular. Yeah, yeah exactly. A muscle way. And um, I could only control my exercise and my sports and my food and not like your life at home you're saying exactly exactly and I want to say so I've struggled like with an eating disorder like probably since I was 11 I can remember the earliest time Mm -hmm. and I think you'll agree with me but like your eating disorder goes through waves and different cycles Yeah, you're not always just going to struggle with binging. You're not always just going to struggle with anorexia, orthorexia. You're going to struggle with all of them at different points of your life um, or thoughts of them. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like it never goes away either. You know what I mean? Like I see a lot of people that have gone through recovery and are doing so well, but it's like, do you still get those little thoughts in the back of your mind, but now you're just better at silencing them? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like that. And I think it's kind of cool because I've, I've shared with them before that I had, um, I struggled with binge eating when I was in high school and it was like, while it was happening, I didn't know what was happening. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So can you talk to us about like your first time? Maybe, I don't know if you remember it, but like when you were 11, like that first like unhealthy relationship thought that you had around food or like the first time that you can think back and be like, that's when it started. I can't pinpoint like the exact time, but I know it started like with swimming yeah, and just my involvement. And I think it was a lack of education too, like in my school and like in my house, I would go to school and then go to lunch and then go to practice after go to lift, like go to cross training and stuff. And I get home at seven, eight o'clock and then I would eat. Mm -hmm. So obviously, like, I'm going through puberty at this time. Like, so much is changing. Obviously, you're a little bit more hungry at that time. So I remember doing that, and it started to get really easy, like, not eating breakfast because the girls at school didn't really eat breakfast or only eating, like – so I've been celiac since I was seven. So they would eat, like, a Cliff Bar, and I would eat something, like, similar to it for lunch or like an apple or something. So I got into that habit. And then when I would get home from practice at like 11 and 12, I remember eating um, like the gluten-free Oreos that we had. They were like an off brand Mm -hmm. and peanut butter. And I remember eating like an entire pack and like half a jar of peanut butter the one night. And I remember my dad coming in and being like, you can't do that. Like, you have practice the next day or like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to be sick or something, like something stupid like that. Very like innocent, like not saying it in a bad way, like you're going to get fat or something. But he just made that comment. And I was like, why did I do that? Like, yeah. I'm 11. 
I, it wasn't like I was eating Halloween candy for fun. Like there was something else about that. Like I was in my room hiding with it. Um, wow. And you were only 11. Mine, yeah. mine really didn't start until I was probably 15, freshman year of high school. But I can't even imagine being 11 years old and like already having that type of influence on you you know like wanting to hide because like other girls do this and it makes me really worried for today's children because of like tiktok and instagram and like seeing every single day like what i eat in days things like that because when i was 11 there was none of that like i got home and i played outside (laughs) like (laughs) like or or i played with my Wii and like did we dance like there was no social media i think i made like I had a Facebook, but no one posted their food on Facebook. No one posted anything. It was just me taking stupid selfies and like, you know, stuff like that. So now it's like, wow, is this every year? It probably just gets worse and worse. And it makes me scared for my future children. But yeah, I don't know. That is kind of creepy to think about. But yeah, keep telling us the story. From 11. <laughs> well, no, I want to touch on that too because my sister, she's 14. So yeah. I see that side of it. And she is, she needs to be her own podcast person. Like she's so inspirational. But um, she saw me go through treatment and now she notices all of those things like with her friends, obviously, because they're at that age right now too. And with TikTok, Instagram, and all of that she sees that type of thing all the time but like she had me to like base it off of so she saw me go through treatment go through all of that stuff so she's influenced away from it but I can't imagine like if she didn't have someone that went through it what she would be thinking and seeing oh this is what Julie eats in a day maybe this is what I should eat in a day like to them they're at such a young age that can be so triggering yeah I agree I know. Sometimes even me posting what I eat in a day, I'm hesitant about it. But I know that what I'm eating, even if someone... Okay, this might sound kind of bad. But even if someone were to copy it, I know that I am fueling myself healthily. And I'm showing, like girls that you can have chocolate you can have peanut butter you can have this like I would never post what I eat in a day where it was just like a protein bar for breakfast skipped lunch an orange and then like I didn't have anything for dinner like that kind of stuff I wouldn't push even if that did happen one day because like I don't know I was super busy that day I don't know that usually doesn't happen anyways because I eat a lot but that's just not something I would portray I'm always making sure that the what I eat in a days I do post it like has healthy recipes it's you know following that 80 20 lifestyle where I can have a donut I can have cupcake just so if an 11 year old were to see it or like yeah if an 11 if my daughter were to see it even like anything that I'm post I'm like okay if my daughter were to see this in the future would she get value from this or would she feel some type of way about herself I think that's almost like the lens that I subconsciously put on when I go to do a post um yeah, I don't know how that tangent just happened, but... <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you. I think where it gets a little wishy-washy is, like, the bodybuilding community. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to, like, go into it, but I I think you know what I mean. Like, that diet culture type of realm, I think that's where it starts to get a little bit gray as to what is actually healthy and what's actually disordered. But anyway, yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's a sport, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A sport that I'm not into, but if some people are into it, then that's okay. But it's just they need to decipher that 
that this is for their sport, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, can you kind of talk about the progression um, of the eating disorders and like yeah. what led you to realizing like, I need help or yeah. someone else being like, you need help, you know, um, yeah. depending what that situation looked like. So all throughout high school, I binged. That's really what it was. I want to say it was like orthorexia and binging. I was very conscious about what I was doing. And I always yeah. ate super healthy. And I was very conscious about the food that I was eating and putting it in my body, just from like growing up in athletics and stuff. And then, but then I would binge on the stuff that I wouldn't allow myself to have. Like that no, like it, it I didn't have the no food is off limits type of thing yeah can you explain to someone in like layman terms what is binge eating in your definition what is orthorexia Mm -hmm. so binge eating i think like clinically it is episodes of overeating past fullness and not understanding the fullness cues Mm -hmm. and not being able to stop and not being conscious about it yeah i think the difference between overeating and having binge eating disorder is that lack of control and consciously knowing what you're doing and being able to stop and the hiding factor. You don't want people to know you're going to hide things. You it's not just, Oh, I'm going to sit down with a bag of chips. And if I eat it, I eat it. It's not like that. And it's weird food combinations and gross things that just don't make sense. Anything, yeah. No, what were you going to say? Just anything. Anything goes. Yeah. It's like an out-of-body experience almost. Yes. Yeah. That's the difference between overeating. Mm -hmm. And then orthorexia is being basically the obsession with healthiness and cutting certain food groups out. And it's different from anorexia because you will still eat. You're just extremely restrictive of what you are eating. And... I wouldn't say that no, all foods are good in that sense, but it's, I'm only going to eat fruits and vegetables and I'm only going to eat the low carb fruits, the low carb vegetables or protein sources that are lowest in fat and stuff like that. And being super conscious about everything that you're putting into your body. Yeah. Obsessed, being obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah, so I developed that. And then when I want to say my, senior year of high school I started working at a gym and I worked with my trainer and he kind of like shifted my mindset on food and stuff like that and I saw him eating dark chocolate while he was on the floor and stuff I saw him like doing stuff that I wouldn't think that a trainer should do or would do so I ended up losing a bit of weight like binge weight I would say I would still get a very healthy weight um, I got offers to swim D1, but then I decided to do ROTC, Army. So I started training for that. I started really getting into running more and developing a passion for that. I ran track in high school, but it was one of those things where like, I didn't really care about it, so yeah. I wasn't good at it. Um, and then once I started training for the Army standards, I got really good really fast, and that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to college, I lost even more weight just from running too much. And I got really addicted to the competitive side of things, but only with myself. Like, 
if I ran a 14 minute two mile, well, I could do 1330 next time. Yeah. If I got down to 1330, well, I could do 13 minutes next time. And I got super obsessive with my food then too. I I was that first person at the meal times, like 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. I was at those dining hall doors and I was gonna be the first one, get all my fruits and vegetables, and that was it. Um, and it, it just got really tiring. Were you binging at that point? Because no, you, you no. didn't did you didn't really have the availability to binge, right? Because mm-hmm. there was no food there. Yeah. So, so so that control turned to orthorexia. Okay, I'm getting yeah. it now. The yeah. the dots are being connected. <laughs> yeah. So I think like the orthorexia always existed, but it was exacerbated in college because I didn't have a car. I wasn't gonna walk to like downtown to get binge food mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it in the dining hall. So I just didn't have access to it. And I lost about 20 pounds between August and October. And the only people that really noticed, honestly, were my mom when I came home for Christmas. Um, I had like a boyfriend at the time, but it was a little bit more progressive for him just because he sees me every day and all of that. So I lost a decent amount of weight my senior year of high school. And then I just lost even more during that time. So no one really noticed. My dad thought that I was just really in shape. And like, I didn't look unhealthy. I looked like the fitness influencers, like six packs, like lean legs, you know, all of that. Yeah. Um, But I was really struggling food wise and exercise wise the the obsession with exercise was so bad I wouldn't go out I'd go to army PT in the morning from 5 30 to 7 and then go right to the gym to lift after and then go to swim practice at night so I was getting like between 25 and 30 steps a day like thousand steps a day that's insane well plus then like swimming and all of that and I was eating really healthy, really healthy, mm-hmm. I would say, but it was never enough for what I was doing. That's the problem. Yeah. And I feel like having that mindset, that restrictive mindset, did that affect your relationships with other people, like your relationship with your boyfriend, with your friends, with your family? Um, that's something that I definitely struggled with because when you put yourself on that when you have that many limits for yourself, it limits your relationship. So like with my boyfriend, let's go movie night no, I don't want to, I don't want to have like popcorn or like smell it. Like that'll trigger me or let's go. But I would never say that. It would just come out as no, I don't want to. And then he, in his mind, he's probably like, oh, she never wants to hang out with me. Did did you see that happening? It was definitely with my roommate. I've had the same roommate since freshman year, Mm -hmm. lover. Um, but like, we're not friends anymore because of it. Um, freshman year, we just, we never went out. Like, it was hard because I could blame it on things. I didn't want to go out and drink like a freshman college student because I was underage. And if I got caught with the military, I'd lose my scholarship. I was going to school for free. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. So it was easy. I don't want to go drink. I didn't want to go drink because I didn't want to drink the calories and not go to the gym in the morning. But you blamed it, it on that. Oh, okay. Exactly. And with with my boyfriend, he, we would... 
I would say, oh, let's go to the gym together on Saturday. He's so easygoing. So he'd be like, yeah, sure, let's go. <laughs> so he kind of played into it yeah. subconsciously. And, but it did affect, like, I didn't want to go out and get dessert somewhere. I didn't want to go out to eat, like, because he had a car here. So I didn't want to drive anywhere. I didn't want to do any of that. But he was okay with it because, I was known as like the fit person in army. So like I had to maintain my standard per se. Mm -hmm. So I could just blame it on that, but it wasn't really what was going on. Yeah. Even when it wasn't about food for me, like if friends wanted to go out at night, I remember my mindset being like, oh, I don't want to go out because I like to have my last meal at seven. And then if I go out, then I'll come home at like 12 or one and be hungry and then have to eat again. And now now that I'm like, this is the first time I'm really reflecting about that moment. And that had happened multiple times. And I, and I still catch myself, not now, but like probably like within the past year saying no to things that I should have said yes to. And that's like something for 2022 that I set my mind to like say yes more. Um, But yeah, it's, it was so hard with that. And then it ended up just getting worse with COVID for some reason, when I went home sophomore year, I, I was like incrementally losing a little bit of weight here and there. Mm-hmm. It was getting a little bit worse, but I always got better in the gym. I wasn't, I maybe wasn't as strong, but I was always getting faster. I was always getting faster in swimming. I was always getting faster in running. I got my 12 mile, I made two mile time down to like 12 minutes. Oh, wow. So, I, I was always getting better, but I was always like super competitive with it. But once COVID hit, I got in my mind that like I was so active at school, I wasn't going to be able to do it at home. And that's when I realized I had a bigger problem with food because it wasn't just about the exercise obsession. It was about the food. Mm -hmm. I stopped eating breakfast and then I slowly stopped cutting more things out because I was stuck at home. But I was being naive. I was still walking the dog multiple times a day, like getting over 12, 13,000 steps. Like I was just so consumed with food that I wasn't seeing everything else that was going on. Yeah. It can really take you out of your present moment and reality when you're just constantly thinking like, when's my next meal? When am I going to do this? When is this? But do you feel like you're at that point you just wanted to get like smaller. Is that what it was? Like, did you have, do you think you had some body dysmorphia going on? A hundred percent. I look back, I even actually just went through a bag of clothes and I was on FaceTime. I I just have to say, okay. So my boyfriend's name is Kale, literally the lettuce. We love Kale. (laughs) (laughs) Literally a lettuce. And his favorite joke to say is like, yeah, my girlfriend has an eating disorder. My name's Kale. That's like his favorite thing. (laughs) It's so funny. But, we can laugh about uh, it now. <laughs> yeah, it's comical now. But I was on FaceTime with him and I was like holding up a pair of shorts. And I was like, these literally look like a pair of boxers. Like, how did I fit in these? Like, I could probably get my left knee in them now. But I didn't think that I was that small. Because yeah. I thought it was cool that I could fit into like kids XL shorts. That's not cool. Like, I'm 22. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need to be doing that. Yeah. But... I definitely had the body dysmorphia because I would like stand in the mirror, body check, do all that. And it was never small enough. Definitely. So when did 
you have enough or a family member have enough and say, okay, we need to get you help? So over the summer of 2021, I ran two marathons and a half marathon within like three months of each other. Wow. And I went to an army event and it was, I spent 30 days in the field and I passed out twice while I was there. But it was because I was only eating the peanut butter packets and the MREs, the trail mix and beef jerky for 30 days. So, and it was hot. It was, it was August. So I was drinking so much water, which I struggled with like incontinence and stuff like that. Like when I was really underweight, like all of that. And wait, what is incontinence? Am I stupid? you basically like pee yourself like you lose control of your bladder oh because you because so, you wanted to drink a lot of water to keep you full yeah i don't know like i was just always drinking water and i i honestly never really thought about like drinking water to be full mm-hmm. i just i'm gonna blame it on like the fitness industry like everyone says drink water drink water drink water so i never thought i was drinking enough i was probably drinking like two gallons of water a day that's ridiculous. a lot i push yeah. for a gallon a gallon will do it Yeah, no, but I just would like lose control of my bladder and and it was embarrassing. And, but so I came back to school and it just started to get really bad. I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to say yes more, but I'd go out and drink and stuff on an empty stomach. So (laughs) I was that girl. That was me. (laughs) Messy. (laughs) Yes, literally messy. And then I stayed in college like over Thanksgiving break because I was afraid to go home and eat and I was seeing a therapist at the time like for my eating because I knew that there was something wrong but no one else did did you not tell your parents no I mean I was just seeing a therapist because I'd seen one since like sophomore year okay so um and I was seeing a dietitian too and I went to the doctor in September because I knew something was wrong. and Because of the fainting and yeah. the peeing? Okay. So I went and she goes, yeah, you need to see like an eating disorder specialist. That's like the first thing that she said to me, like just by looking at me. And I was like, really? Come on. Yeah. But she did blood work. I found out that my hormone levels were not even existent like I did not have estrogen did not have testosterone um were you getting a period I haven't got I did never got my period from 15 on because of my eating disorder okay I got it back this past November that's awesome yeah we had talked about that yeah so weird yeah she got her (laughs) period back oh I like shed a little tear when that happened because we were we were working together at the time right Yeah. yeah 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 But she's like, yeah, um, probably infertile. So that was like a big thing. I got tested for it, found out that I was infertile. Um, I got a DEXA scan done and I had um, like really bad osteopenia. Like if I kept going, I was going to get osteoporosis. And it made sense. I broke my hand and my foot the previous two years like prior two years so it was all clicking like I was all thinking about it like wow this is actually like a real thing that I'm doing to yourself Um, too which is scary yeah yeah but then I went home for Christmas and the binging started 
like I went home and I remember driving back from Christmas and I had a tin of cookies that I was supposed to give to my sister. I ate 72 cookies, probably like the size of my palm and just sat in my car and I was like, it's, it's over. Like I just did it again. I just opened the gates to binging again. I hadn't done it for so long. Mm. And I mean, you understand like the black and white mentality, like, all right, I did it once. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Or yeah. I just like remember feeling like so helpless and being like, this is hopeless. Nothing's ever going to change. And then it'll, it'll go like, I remember at one point it was like happening every single day and then finally yeah. it was getting like months and then and then I was good for a year and then it happened again and I was like fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like oh is it's a never ending cycle. Um and then it's like when it happens you just think okay, it's never I'm never going to let this happen again. But I almost think that having that mentality messes you up even more. 100%. It's like you just Absolutely. need to you almost need to be okay with it. Like okay, yeah. it happened. Like, it happened. You, no on. expectations of yourself. I feel like that's when I started getting a little better, but keep going. About the cookies. <laughs> so the binging started again. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I, looking back at it, it was like a refeed for me because I wasn't gaining that much weight. And that's what was really hard for me because I could binge for days and not gain weight. And I'd weigh myself every single day. So... I, throughout January, I then started to like gain a couple pounds and I started abusing laxatives every single day. I was taking X-lax, the chocolate X-lax every single day. And they're not gluten-free by the way. So I was like breaking out in hives everywhere and I was totally just destroying my body. I wouldn't go out because I was literally shitting my pants and- Would you, would you, would you ever um, purge? No. No, Me either. I've never. I, I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a gag reflex. <laughs> <laughs> we are the same. <laughs> yeah. So Me with my I, whole toothbrush, like, in in sophomore year of high school. Didn't oh, work. That's so sad. I know. It's so sad. But I just, like, abused laxatives then. Yeah. So I was literally, like, I remember missing school because I was afraid to go out because I was shitting all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I would just binge because there was like nothing in my stomach. So I would just binge again. And I ended up getting rhabdo in February. I don't know if you know this, but Penn State does this thing called Thon. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. So I did that in 24 hour dance. Yeah. It's 24 hours where you dance to raise money, right? 46. 46 hours? Wow. Yeah. So I did that February of 2021. And I ended up staying awake for like 80 hours just because of like, I don't remember what happened, but I ended up like going somewhere for army right after. And I ended up just staying awake for that long. And the next day, I kid you not, like Kale had to carry me to the car because my legs were so swollen because I took laxatives the entire time. So my legs were so swollen and I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you have rhabdo. You're, you have too much protein in your blood. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, what is rhabdo? So it's basically when you have too much protein and creatine in your bloodstream because it's secreting from your kidneys and you can go into kidney failure. A oh. lot of CrossFit athletes get it. Is um, it because they like take too much supplements or? 
No, it's just because the work that they put on their body is so extreme and so high intensity that a lot of CrossFit athletes get it. And people are like hospitalized for it. That's scary. So yeah, (laughs) I was there for two days, literally left, went home, took pre-workout and went to the gym because I was so freaked out that I hadn't been to the gym in two days. It was... I was lying to everyone. Like going back to the relationships, I was literally lying to every single person. My roommate, Kale, my mom, my dad, everyone. And my parents are divorced. So I remember going to bed. We had just had a 12-mile ruck for Army. And I remember going to bed at like 7. And Kale came over to my apartment. Mm -hmm. And he just sat on my bed. And he was like, we, we have to talk and I was like I can't like I just did the rug like I need to go to bed and he was like your parents are out, outside what and my parents are literally divorced intervention what was it an intervention Li- yes it was an intervention Kale had taken my keys my computer unplugged my phone while I was sleeping I had nothing my roommates weren't there he like had my roommates go to his apartment because my other roommate was dating his roommate. So, okay. like, we were all just friends. But they were all at his place, and I had nothing. And my parents were out in my living room. My dad was crying. And I yelled and screamed. I was like, fuck you. Get out of my house. Like, you don't deserve to be here. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm taking care of myself. I, it must have been, like, three or four hours and I was just screaming at them. I told, I like literally was telling Kale like, fuck you. You don't love me and all this stuff. We've been together for six years. Like uh, that's, he's a ride or die. (laughs) I like, I would have never said that. And I know that it wasn't me. And that was the scariest thing because I just didn't have control over what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so is that a few days after the thon? Yeah, okay. that was less than a week. Okay, And Kale was like, I know you were at the gym after you went to, got rabdo. And my dad was like, I don't know what's going on. I just want to help you. Like, just tell me what you need. And my mom was like, she has an eating disorder. Can't you tell? She needs to be in the hospital. My mom was just being such a bitch about it. Like, not supportive at all. Jeez, yeah. But they ended up leaving. And mind you, this was at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They left, and I didn't talk to Kale for maybe, like, a week. And we ended up having to go home because I had drill. Yeah. And I normally stayed at his house because it's a little bit closer to where I was. So I all I packed was my a, a uniform and pajamas. And because that's all I needed at the time. And I left and got to his house. He was already there. And they went to dinner and I stayed home and I ended up binging. Like I went out and I ended up binging because I wouldn't do it at their, like I couldn't do it at their house. And where did you go? I went to, I think Walmart. I literally went to Walmart and sat in the parking lot. It was like the saddest thing ever. And I remember coming back and like my face was all red. Like I was super flushed. I was literally in my uniform, which was like the most embarrassing thing ever. And I walked in and I said to Kiel, I I just started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I got to the point where I just like, I wasn't, 
I don't want to say this, but like I wasn't suicidal, but I just didn't want to wake up in the morning. It, does that make sense? Like it's just were you were annoyed with yourself, frustrated with yourself more that it was like yeah. I wish this could go away. It wasn't that yeah. you you didn't want to wake up. It was that you didn't want your. It, I swear, it's almost like you have a second human attached to you yes. when you have a disorder and you wanted that person to die yeah, yeah I, I know what I, you mean it's a it's yeah you make sense don't worry I just I don't just want to seem like I'm suicidal because I'm not but in that moment I was like I just don't want to get up in the morning yeah. and he was like that's it like you need he I remember he gave me an ultimatum he was like I can't do this anymore with you and you can't do this to yourself anymore if you don't get help tonight I I can't be with you and I was like Ah. <laughs> he's just never like threatened that before and I was like wow this is really serious like he's mm-hmm. saying this in his house right now and so I was like okay I will go to my dad's house so I told him that I wanted to drive myself but I really just wanted to drive myself because I wanted to binge one more time and okay. I totally regret that like oh, a thousand percent I regret it and so I drove to my, I binged on the way, went back to Walmart, by the way, um, got to my dad's house at like midnight and I literally walked in and I was like, I need you to take me to the hospital. And he didn't even question me. He was just like, okay, let's go. Had you not talked to him since he came to see you at, ah, oh, this is like a movie. <laughs> it's not, I promise. <laughs> so we went to the hospital and Honestly, I've never felt so dehumanized in my entire life because it was like a mental health thing. So they had me take off. Again, I was still in my uniform, which is even worse. Mm -hmm. But they had me take it off and strip in front of my dad. So What? Yes. I'm not even kidding. I stripped down. I was in this room with nothing in it besides a floor and uh, like a like a sink and stuff like a hot it was basically an empty hospital room but because I went in for that they thought I was suicidal because I went in and I told them I have an eating disorder and I stripped down they gave me a gown and I was there for 14 days they gave me a bed on the floor and I was there for 14 days but I'm not kidding you it was the shortest 14 days of my life because I just, like, don't remember it, if that makes any sense. This was a regular hospital? This wasn't a clinic? Yes. This was a regular yes. hospital? So they, were, so they were just seeing if you were going to stay alive? So kind of? I was on... But do you know what the thing is? I went in there for an eating disorder, and I didn't eat much while I was there. I would eat, like, an apple and a banana and then send the rest of the food back. No one said anything. And honestly, I started to get, again, a little bit competitive. Like, oh, let's see how little I can eat and see if they say anything to me. And they never did. Never, not once, did they say a single word to me. Wow. Which, that is crazy. weird. I know. I went to, like, a messed up hospital or something. Yeah. And then they found a spot for me at Renfrew, the okay. eating store clinic in Philadelphia. I think they have them. They have them in Florida and like a couple other places too. But so then my dad picked me up, drove me there, and I had 
a backpack with me of like three pairs of underwear and quarters and one sweatshirt and like a couple pairs like a pants and a shirt and stuff yeah and question at this point yeah. did you drop out of Penn um, State no I actually Kale went into my computer emailed all my professors like from his account and was like Nicole is not going to be able to be in class right now and he contacted student advocacy for me and student advocacy like sent an official note to my teachers and was like she's not going to be here right now and then I need to meet Kale I would love you to. Oh my God. I would love you to. But then he also went to like ROTC and was, he knew like a couple people knew that we were together. So he like told them what was going on and they were all super supportive and stuff. And then, so I went to treatment and stuff like that. I need to like do an episode on like treatment itself because I feel like it's dehumanizing, but also like the most revitalizing place ever. Mm -hmm. um but yeah so I went there I was on a feeding tube for seven days is that just giving you nutrients back in do you actually eat while you're on that tube you do but it's basically they they explained it to me like you're getting constant insurers oh I haven't but my grandma was drinking them she had pancreatic cancer and she would have like four a day yeah so they were basically feeding me like medical insurers or whatever um and I still had to eat but honestly like at the clinic it's really hard to eat like you're there to like teach yourself to eat but I remember like the first two three days I just I went to the dining hall and I just sat there and I didn't eat um and that's how like a lot of people's first times are like you are incredible if you can go there your first day and you can eat all three meals Mm -hmm. like you are a saint that just doesn't happen um are you making friends there are the nurses nice like what's the relationship like that like do you feel lonely can you text kale your parents like what's going on are you just trapped there do you know how long you're do you know how long you're gonna be there no so like the standard is like 30 days i ended up being there for 37 but it's like a graduation scale type of thing. So your treatment plan comes up with how long you're going to be there. It's all dependent on your severity too. So if yeah. you are, I don't, I hate saying this and it really bothered me in treatment too, but the smaller you are, the longer time you're usually there just from a health perspective. That they makes sense. Do- that makes sense. They want you to get to a healthy weight. Yeah, but okay. it's so hard because there were some people there that struggled. Like, there were so many diverse people there. There, It was all women. Yeah. But there were people that were 14 years old, and then I met a 65-year-old woman. Oh, Yeah. Wow. And there were people that were 50 pounds underweight, but then 200 pounds overweight. So you had the entire scale there. And that was, a scale is a bad word to use, but you had the whole spectrum there. Yeah. And that was really, really nice because I, eating disorders are so competitive. So if you were there and you weren't the smallest person there, you got in your head a lot. Like, do I really deserve to be here? Like, I'm at a healthy weight. Do I really need to be here? Yeah. But I went there the day before my birthday, the day before my 21st birthday. Oh my and the only people that knew were the front desk ladies because 
my dad sent me a bouquet of flowers for my birthday while I was there. And the nurse, you you got your blood pressure your and all your vitals taken every morning at 4 a.m. So the nurse, like, saw my birthday and was like, happy birthday. I was Aww. like, happy birthday. <laughs> and, yeah. Go ahead. So then after treatment, I got out and I was on an extensive treatment plan. So, like, you do inpatient, like, afterward, like, like IOP, intensive outpatient, and then PHP, like, par- partial hospitalization. Partial? Why can I speak? <laughs> hospitalization. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard word. It's a hard word. You did that, and I did that all throughout the summer and stuff, but I finished all of my classes. I had four weeks extension to do everything. That's awesome. Which wasn't a lot of time, though, because I left, like, I had 11 weeks worth of work to do in four. That's intense. Yeah. Like, right out of treatment, too. I think that was the hardest part. I was, like, teaching myself how to be in treatment and then all of that, too. Yeah. So from treatment, if you can give the audience, if someone's like struggling right now, what are three, two, three takeaways that really helped you during that time? Like I know you said that sometimes it was dehumanizing, but there were moments that helped you feel more alive and like you were actually going to get better and had more hope. Like what were little things like that that you learned in treatment? There's always someone supporting you, whether you don't think so or you don't want to think so. There is always at least one person that you can turn to Mm. and you are not alone. You are in a group with people who are all thinking the same damn things as you. And it was honestly scary because I went into it thinking like, oh, no one has these thoughts. Like, I'm just weird. And I just think these things. But we would literally like there were people that would just stare at a bagel and cry and I would look over and I'd be like me too you know and you can just sit across from people at meal times and you can know exactly what they're thinking so just someone else that's struggling like you are not alone there are people that have those thoughts too like as disordered as they might be (laughs) other people are thinking them too yeah and I think that's important and to just like make sure that you're not keeping it in too much because yeah. it's when you keep it in too much, that's when it can erupt and like yeah. really bad things can happen. It's like, speak your feelings, speak your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like writing them down in a journal at first, just like getting them out and then maybe like giving that journal to someone if you feel uncomfortable actually sharing it or like yeah. writing a letter. I feel like little things like that could help. Um, but yeah, the people that are closest to you, maybe a cousin or if it's if it's like too awkward for like someone in your family to, like immediate family but yeah there's always someone to talk to that was something yeah, i struggled with for a while i just kept it inside because i was like everyone's gonna think i'm crazy yeah that's the other thing too so my dad was going to drive me to treatment but he didn't feel comfortable doing it and actually this is really weird his neighbor who i've never met before his daughter had an eating disorder and actually died and he drove me like my dad's neighbor drove me to treatment because but honestly it was the greatest thing ever because we just he didn't know who I was I didn't know who he was we didn't have to talk about what was going to happen we could just sit in the car and it was fine Mm -hmm. but I think if my dad would have driven me it would have been super weird like we would have talked about like what's treatment gonna look like like how are you feeling and stuff and at that moment I just didn't want to talk about that yeah. So 
even I like you said, even if it's someone that you just don't really know that well, it's oh, someone's better than anyone. Yeah, I agree. Oh, geez. I didn't know you've been through so much. How do you feel now? How, where is your relationship with food, your body? Like, where are you now? Because you're glowing. You're glowing. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I struggled a lot after treatment just because I was still binging a lot after treatment. But uh-huh. looking back on it, it was definitely more of just like the refeeding process. And I still struggle a lot body image wise. I think that's where I am lacking the most in everything just because I've gained so much weight so fast like between last September or like September 2021 and now I've gained over 70 pounds so that's just hard for anyone to conceptualize like Mm. I'm not overweight but I'm not like super fit anymore but my body I it's hard for me to understand like my body I'm still gonna lose weight I'm gonna like get more defined eventually but it's hard for me to realize that my body is healing and yeah. like my hormones are healing and my skin is healing my muscles are healing it's so hard to think about that and there are days where like I have stretch marks all over now and it's hard to think like yes, I did this to myself, but like, this is what my body needed in this moment. Yeah. I think it's also important to think that that was from you being 11 years old to 21 years old. That was 10 years that your body went through all of that. It's not going to go back to normal in a few months, you know, in a year, it's going to take some time. And I think giving yourself grace and just taking each day as it comes and being like, as silly as it sounds, I think I told you this when we were working together too, just like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, I love my body. And just like saying it out loud, saying it out loud, same way, like been like, even with binge eating, how it can become a, it's habitual, right? Yes. Like it becomes habitual. So take that your body, you, even you with like c- controlling things and like always wanting control, like you can control your thoughts. Think about it like that. Mm-hmm. So instead of having those um, self-deprecating thoughts, switch them out with good ones. And it can just be little things each day, like looking yourself in the mirror. I love myself. I love my body. I love my stretch marks. I love this. I love that. I love this. I do it. I do it. My parents probably hear me and they're like, this girl's crazy, but it helps me so much because I struggled with body image so much. Like even in high school, college, like I remember wearing like three spanks under dresses when I really did not even need to do that but just like little things like that and now I'm like okay I love myself I love my body I love myself when I'm bloated I love this um yeah just like loving yourself because this is just our little shell that we're in we need to nurture Mm -hmm. our shell and feed our soul okay (laughs) I think too I struggle with exercise still I at first I struggled with not comparing myself to where I was before like I'm never going to be able to run a 12 minute two mile again but I don't want to because of what I put myself through to get there and I can't do as many push-ups as I used to but I can do other things like I can deadlift a lot now I can squat almost 200 pounds now like I can do all these other things that I need to appreciate And I shouldn't want to do other things. But I still, I haven't gotten in a pool since November 2021. I'm just, I'm honestly scared to like put a bathing suit on and like get back in the water. But in terms of food, I think my relationship with food is so much better now. It's, 
I still struggle with having some trigger foods in the house Mm -hmm. or struggle with eating an entire avocado and like small things like that. But I don't compare myself nearly as much like to my roommate or like seeing what she's eating because she has a ton of like diet friendly things like in the cabinets and stuff. And normally that would trigger me and think like, oh, she's doing that. I need to do that. But Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm like, she's going to do her. I'm going to do me. And we're gonna it. all be okay. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You're making such great progress. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. It's like a new person that I'm talking to from the first time that we were on the phone. <laughs> I remember when we first met on Zoom, I was like, oh. We're gonna make a good team. We're gonna make a good team. <laughs> and look at this now, full circle. Right, right. Yeah. And I think someone said this to me, but progress is not linear and eating disorders are not linear. It's, we said this in the beginning, but you're going to struggle with it your entire life over yeah. exercise. You're going to struggle with it your entire life, but it's going to come and go. Like it's going to ebb and flow. Like for me right now, I think I'm struggling a little bit more because of graduation. Like we have to take grad pictures soon and we have to like get dressed up and now it's summer. I'm going to be in way less clothes and stuff. So obviously I'm thinking about like cutting or Um, like doing a mini cut or doing like restricting food or like over exercising hitting x amount of steps to get shredded for the summer I know that I can't do that but it's hard not to put myself in those things but I know that once the summer's over I'm going to be in so much of a different spot maybe so yeah it's important to realize that too I've been working with my therapist even with like my annoying voice that always says you should like I have this voice in my head that always says like you should be doing this you should be doing that and we named her her name is Karen and (laughs) and now since I've named her I I notice her quicker and I can shut her up quicker I can be like like Karen will be like oh you should probably do 20 minutes extra cardio today and I'm like Karen shut up like I don't need to do cardio today. I already finished my cardio for the week or something like that. And it's so funny because it's like this little conversation in my head. Whereas before when I didn't name her and I couldn't recognize her, she would just take over right away and it would happen, you know? So even like when I get – because I, I would be 1,000% lying if I said I haven't had like an urge to binge in the past like even month. Like I get triggers. I get urges. But it's just – I recognize it faster and I can silence it way faster than what I would have before. Like having an Oreo and seeing the full sleeve and then Karen being like, you should eat the whole thing. And then I can be like, Karen, I'm satisfied with like the amount that I just had. Thank you. But like, thanks for your opinion, but not today. And it's just so funny because that's like literally the conversation that happens in my head. Yes. And I I wanted to bring that up too, because I think the binge urges will slowly subside. But even when you and I were working together, I just don't think I was like, my body wasn't restored enough. And I think Mm -hmm. that was like the hardest thing. And I think for people that are struggling with eating disorders, it takes a long fucking time for your body to get back to some sort of normal. And I almost feel like those binges and even like bodybuilding people like those post-show indulgences are almost necessary for your body to have those nutrients until it can get acclimated to substantial amount of food over long periods of time Mm -hmm. so now I have like that Karen voice in my head where it's like oh you had a terrible day today and you just want to mope around like binge 
Please, Karen, no. Like, <laughs> Karen, I know that I'll be able to eat tomorrow. <laughs> Karen, shut up. Yeah, that's a big thing, too, like, being, reminding yourself, like, okay, I have the whole day tomorrow to eat and the whole rest of my life to eat, and I don't need to eat this burger right now because I could have it at any other point in my life, which is funny yeah. because I don't really like burgers. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> Fun fact, wait, what is that dating app? You probably don't even know because you've had a boyfriend for so long, but there's a dating app where, like, you have to answer funny questions. Maybe it's Hinge. Oh, my gosh. I don't I know. I love that. But my fun fact is I've n- it was, like, never have I ever, and then I wrote, like, had a hamburger. Like, every single boy, like, comments on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't that. use it anymore because my therapist said I have to be intentionally single. Um, so, but when I did have it, that's what my answer was. <laughs> I think, like, in terms of relationships, like, Kale and I have been together for so long. But when it happens, it will happen. It totally will happen. And it's funny, like, we both joke around, like, we're just that old married couple now. Like, we just, there's nothing to bicker about. There's nothing really to talk about. We love each other, but, like, we're content with just sitting in the car and chilling and not talking. I, <laughs> like it's just gotten to that point. <laughs> you know, he's the one when you can sit in silence, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not, like, feel like, oh, should I be saying something? Should I do this? Should I do this? No, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> But like even we're long distance now, so we get yeah. to that point where it's like how like we'll just text and be like, How was your day? We could talk for a little while, but there's not really much to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're okay with that because it's like there's nothing really going on. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well you guys will it, you're starting a new chapter with him anyway soon, so things will happen and you yeah. know, we're so young, you never know. You know, yes, things will happen. You. Yeah. Okay. The question of the okay. Question of the week this week is how slash when is the best time to approach your gym crush? I'm not gonna answer this because um, I have no advice because I don't know. I'm awkward. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like you can answer this, but I go to the gym. I don't. I don't have a gym crush. I should. I should say I shouldn't have a gym crush, but there are. <laughs> I go to the gym at 5.30 most days and I work out with a group of like four guys and we're all just like kind of chill with each other. We'll make eye contact. We'll like, if someone's over the squat rack, we'll make like that eye contact. Like you go in there? Cause I'm going to go there. Yeah. Or like the dumbbells and stuff. Cause I go to a small gym, but there's this one woman that comes in. She doesn't wear shoes, like oh. barefoot smells totally gross. Does she have socks on? No. Ew. <laughs> it's disgusting. I went up to the gym manager and I was like, you need to talk to her. But anyway, the one guy, the attractive one, we both saw this girl walk in and we both looked at each other and we were like, no. That would have been a good time to like go up to him and like start a conversation of like, do you hate this girl as much as I do? Because I do. Or <laughs> if you need someone to uh, be your bench um spot spot spot. no but you see i was gonna say that like when you need a spot but i low-key feel like the person in their head would be like oh she's just asking me to spot because she wants me to talk to her like i just can't do it because my gym crush doesn't even give me the time of day and i think that's why i like him because i just love being ignored i guess but (laughs) but if i ever went up to him and was like can you spot me on bench i feel like in his head he would be like why don't you ask the 10 million other people that are in the room? (laughs) 
No, but I would like go up to him. And then what if I like freak? What if I freak out and like drop the bar on my face? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, terrified. Easy weight, you know, like do a weight that you know you can do. But then why would I need a spot? Oh, like fake it? You mean? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Like fake it, like. Put something on the bar that you could do like five times so you're secure. Like you can do like do three and you're a little bit struggling and take your headphones out and then you can like be like, Oh, I wanna do like three sets. So you have time to talk to him. Oh, in the middle of the rest. Yeah. Okay. That's an option. And then if someone in your gym doesn't wear shoes, you guys can cackle about that a little bit (laughs) no there's some weirdo in the gym that you both know that you like don't like just bond over that and be like what a person what is going on honestly there's no one at my gym that i don't like but there are like the the little outliers the funny outliers like the the woman that grunts a little too loud (laughs) there's this one guy that like no matter what he does, it's not even a grunt. It's like a little scream. It's like a, ooh. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but, like, he'll be doing, like, lateral raises. And it'll just be like a, whoo, like, woof, woof. <laughs> and we're all like, is he wolfing? But, like, we all love him because it's just unique. And yes, you can bond over that, yes. you know? Yeah, so maybe, okay, well, I'm here. For me, I'm thinking it's a better if it's like during the warm up or like during the walkout so you don't bother them during or you know what i love i love when a i love when someone's like some heavy weight you know like or like that's some heavy weight you're lifted up there like compliments you maybe like yeah. just like a quick one so then maybe they give you a little bit of that wait on are we still recording yeah so then maybe they give you a little compliment okay and then it's like okay thanks and then you're walking out of the gym and then maybe you guys end up walking out at the same time and then you can approach again you know but you never know if you're gonna walk out at the same time yeah but this is where i i am i am the gym creeper and i figure out the times (laughs) and i follow you out when you (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) why am i the creepy gym person (laughs) I got you. I got you. So you have it down pat. So you need to do this with your gym crush. I feel like I feel like this. You pick this question so that you get a <laughs> so, for right? se- for selfish reasons. <laughs> Julie picked this question so that I would give her advice how to talk to her gym crush. <laughs> I am. I am. I was planning on doing a glute day tomorrow. I am a hundred percent doing chest. So then I can ask for a bunch spot. You better let me know. <laughs> I want to know. I'm scared. I'm awkward. My therapist is going to be mad at me. Okay. <laughs> so I hope that answered your question. Now let's get into some favorites of the week. Okay. So I told, I filled Nicole in on what we do on this podcast. We give two random favorites of whatever you're loving this week. So why don't you do one? I do one and we'll just bounce back and forth. Okay, so my favorite right now is called the Sippy Stopper. I actually don't know if it's actually called that, but that's what I call it. <laughs> and if you have a Nalgene water bottle with, like, a big open at the top, like, where you drink out of, it's this little plastic thing that you put in it. It's rubber, actually, and it makes the hole smaller so that you can drink it and it doesn't get all over you. Or if you're in the car and you don't want to drink out of this whole big guzzle, you can put this little thing in, and then it makes a hole smaller, and then you can take nice sips. 
the, I love it. The worst is when I'm in my car and I go to reach for my hydro jug and I'm like <laughs> sipping it and I hit a bump and then I look down and I'm just like drenched in water. So I will be ordering that. Amazon? Yes. Okay. Amazon. Amazon? Okay. And then my favorite is the Bomar portable blender because my Nutribullet is so loud and obnoxious <laughs> in the morning that my family makes me like go into the living room and plug it in and do it and then wrap it okay so this is what I used to be doing okay ready so I would take my blender into the living room wrap it in a blanket to muzzle the sound and then blend okay this is how extra I was because they didn't want me to wake people up because I'm blending stuff at 5 30 in the morning so that's what I was doing and then Bomar sent me their portable blender and it is 10 times quieter and it like froths the um protein up more so because oh i put it like protein coffee like i kind of make a foam yeah, um yeah. even the, yeah even the nutribullet would sometimes like make it kind of still have those little ice pieces in it but mm. this portable blender that is powerful it's small and mighty and quiet so i don't <laughs> i no longer have to do all those extra steps in the morning so that's my favorite portable blender my oh. second one is the first form hydration sticks because Right now, for some reason, I'm using a smaller water bottle. And with it getting warmer, I'm running a lot more outside. And I'm thirsty all the time, literally all the time. I don't know if my food is saltier or something, but I put the sticks in and I noticed that, okay, I based my hydration off my pee color. My pee's not as yellow. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So I noticed once I started using them that my pee's not yellow anymore. So then I realized that I'm more hydrated and I don't have headaches anymore at the end of the night. So Love it. I love it. Do you have a flavor recommendation? I like the citrus one because it tastes like lemon lime Gatorade. Ooh, yum. Awesome. Okay. What is one last piece of advice you want to leave with the audience? You didn't give your second favorite. Oh, oh no, guys. What is my second favorite? Oh, I remember what it is. I'm a mess. Okay. Gymshark socks. And there's a reason. Because they're nice and long. Uh, my little socks, like the ankle socks that I have, yeah. there's sometimes a gap. There's like this little gap in between the sock and my legging. And it just is this little gap that bothers me of skin. But the Gymshark ones cover the gap and it doesn't look as weird. Okay? I hope that makes sense. But I do really like the Gymshark socks. And I got them. I got both black and white. And I feel like they look good on leg day too. Especially even if you're wearing shorts. But it was mostly the legging issue that I was having. Because my leggings don't go all the way down. to the. Mm-hmm. I wear a lot of the navigation leggings. And they're not like completely full length. They're... I don't like that though. Like I don't like full length leggings. I like when they're a little bit above. Me too. But imagine you're wearing a, a higher sock. And there was just like skin. <laughs> Showing. You're that weirdo. Yeah. You're in the gym. I am the weirdo in the gym. I am the creeper <laughs> weirdo in the gym. Okay. <laughs> so what is your last piece of advice for these gals? And um, guys, if um, there's a guy listening. Oh, if there's a guy listening? No, no, if, no. No, but if there is, oh. if there is, I want to tell this guy that it's okay to be emotional and to talk to people. It's okay to have problems. You don't have to have some like hyper masculinity going on. Like it's okay to have a bad day. And I think that every bad day is still a luxury. 
Yes, and Libby. Yes. Is that Libby says and, that right? Yes. And one thing that I try to live by is that change is the only constant. So Ooh. your body is going to change constantly. Your mind is going to change constantly. You are going to progress as a person. So just remember that change is the only constant that we have, but it's okay. I like that. I love it. And that even applies with girls because sometimes yeah. girls don't want to share their problems. Yeah. They want to keep it all inside because they, they want to be strong and it's okay to be, to have a little weak moment and to share that yeah. with people. I love it. Well, why don't you pimp yourself out to the, to the listeners, tell them where they can find you. Nicole has a podcast of her own, of course. So <laughs> give them the names, your Instagram handle, all that good stuff. So my Instagram handle is at Nick hip fit. So N I C H I P P F I T. I hope I didn't mess that up. <laughs> and- we'll tag you on the page. Anyways, we'll tag you on the strong with Julie page. Thank you. And my podcast is bar talk it stands for beyond all recognition i love that thank you so that's me i also have a first form link and a find the good apparel link in my bio yeah if you guys want to get some hydration sticks and have not (laughs) yellow pee exactly (laughs) exactly all right have a great night it was so lovely talking to you and i will talk to you guys next tuesday